I want to be very clear in my sermon, my pace. That's not what I'm going to be clear about, but it's something you should know. So I'm going to be very clear about this sermon because I think this sermon has a potential that I'm going to start talking and uh, some of you guys who are my target audience are going to zone out on me. So I want to be very clear that uh, I am not just talking to all the adults here. I'm talking to you teenagers. I'm talking to you like middle school kids. I'm talking even to you young kids probably. I want to tell you guys this morning about something incredibly important, and that is the Bible. And I would like, at the end of this, I don't know, 30 minutes, however long I feel like talking, uh, at the end of my 30 minutes, I am hoping to have reminded you, like, what are we doing here? And inspired you with a hunger for God's word. The point of my sermon, the 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 hit at the end is I want you guys to read the Bible more this year, but I don't want to, I don't want to make you guys do that. I don't want to guilt you into it. I want to inspire in you guys a desire to read this book because it's amazing. It's incredible. I'll just, we start in Genesis 1, for example. Okay, Genesis 1, we all know Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then we know after that, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. In the beginning, okay, it's like totally lights out black. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Four words in English, two words in Hebrew, let there be light. And with two words, God created light. Okay, in, in just one page of the Bible, God created the world, all right? And I need us to understand, as, uh, as Hebrews 11 tells us, we understand by faith that the worlds were created by the word of God. Okay, what you are holding in your hand, look down, whether you got it paper bound or uh, leather bound or whether you're reading on an iPhone. Okay, these words are the words of the God that created the world with his words, with like one page worth of words. And you've got what? I've got like 1600 pages here. So you're telling me that you just have ready access to this world-creating words book. And you're like, ah, eh, I don't really need that. Eh, you know, I got more important things to be doing. Or how about, let's think about it this way, okay? I, I'm sure that some of you guys know who William Tyndale is, but for those of you who don't, William Tyndale lived in the 1500s, and uh, he was a criminal of sorts. Uh, he did something very, very important, and he was on the run from people until they finally caught him, strangled him, and burned him. But he had, he had no, no, uh, no guilt about what he did. He, was, he, he didn't recant. And what was his crime is that William Tyndale died in order to translate the Bible into the words of the common people. And the Catholics and the people in charge, they were like, that's too dangerous. We can't let that happen. They didn't want that. But he believed it was so important to have the Bible, not in Latin that no one spoke, but in the words of the common people that he died to make that happen. And there are still people today who are dying, risking their life to bring the Bible into countries that it is too dangerous by the, by the deemings of the government. Like, this book is so important. And again, you probably have access to it in like six different ways. You got it on your phone. You got it on the internet. You've probably got like three different translations at home. And you guys need to understand how bananas lucky you are that you have access to the Bible. And so this morning, I want to tell you guys three reasons why 
you should make it a goal in this year to read the Bible. Because this book is incredible for so many reasons. I'm going to start with some of the more trivial reasons and get to weightier matters. But I've entitled my sermon this morning, Welcome to the Bible. Because I know that you guys know the Bible. I mean, this is not like a, you know, Bible 101. But in, I just don't want to remind you where we started. Remind you about this book that is so foundational to what we believe and to what we're doing. And maybe inspire in you some hunger to read this book this year. So let me start by saying, you should read the Bible because it is a fascinating book. Okay, this is the greatest book that was ever written. And I'm sure you've all heard that said a bunch of times. And you were probably like, yeah, okay, those are probably the same people that are saying like Citizen Kane is the best movie ever. Like, look, they, you know, they've obviously never seen Star Wars. Let me tell you, I have seen Star Wars. It does not hold a flame to this book. Marie, just, just an excerpt here from Revelation chapter 12, okay? Listen to this. This is epic, okay? Now, war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, and Satan, and the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Skip it down a little bit. And when the angel saw he'd been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had, been, who had given birth to a male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is nourished. For a time, times and half a time, and the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of the offspring of those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimonies of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. I mean, this is incredible. Okay, I'm telling you, you've never read anything like this. I mean, this book is amazing, but maybe you're not an action person, okay? So... What about drama? I mean, I know some of you guys, you like to watch Hallmark movies in your free time. I mean, you, you want to watch like that really dramatic, sappy love stuff. I mean, but have you read the Old Testament? Okay, listen, God loves Israel so much. And constantly God is just pouring out love over and over again in Israel. It just keeps turning and you, you just want to just like shake him. You're like, God, they're, they're not worth it. Okay, listen. They're not worth it, but yet God's love, it's so deep. It's so profound. It's right here in this book. Or like, you ever seen a high school movie? You know the, the plot of a high school movie, okay? It's just Jacob and Leah and Rachel, okay? Listen, you've got this guy, and then he sees this really hot girl, and you're like, no, don't do it, because she's super shallow. And then there's another girl that you know he should go after, but he's not really interested in her because she's not as pretty as the other girl. And then, over the course of time, Boom, somehow the girl that we were really rooting for gets put together with him. And, and then they discover that they're in love. And then over the course of time, he just boots the other girl. Like Leah, he buries in the cave of Machpelah with his family. But Rachel gets booted out on the side of the road, just like nothing. That's it here. This is a great story. Or again, you're talking about Hallmark movies. I mean, some you know, girl shows up in like a farm village and rediscovers herself. It's Ruth, okay? It's the girl who, overcoming a divorce, and she meets Boaz, who's a farmer. Like, listen, any story worth reading is just a Bible story rewritten. I'm telling you, this is the most amazing book at all, and it's all connected. 
It is all one united theme. All of these different genres, all of these different stories, they're amazing, they're gripping. I mean, you've got mystery. Like, they drop this whole Melchizedek thing, and you're like, who is Melchizedek? And then you have to wait till like, Hebrews to really find out what the significance of it is. There's all these, like, this book is incredible. And again, you all have access to it. It's everywhere. And so we need to read this book because it's amazing. But listen, okay, William Tyndale did not die so that you could have an interesting book. Uh, you know, that, I'm not convincing you to read this book just because it's a cool book, but it is. I mean, there's more to it than that. It is also going to prepare you for life, okay? There's a passage here in Psalm 119 where he says, as he's describing the way that he feels about God's law, he says, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever before me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. He says, look, all the wisdom I ever need, it's right here. Like, I, I have it right here. And that should make sense, okay? Because we understand God created the world. He created us. And if you want to know how to use an iPhone, you ask Steve Jobs. He made it. And if you want to know how to live life, you ask God. He made it. God knows everything. He's the one that can tell us all the things we need to know. And it's incredible to me. I mean, the just a, astonishing amount of money. People spend going to school to become like counselors and stuff. And obviously, like very important stuff. And the um, astonishing amount of time we spend trying to learn wisdom that's just right here for, for free. And it has been there for thousands and thousands of years. Like the wisdom of the world is right here in this book. And the advice, I mean, uh, you know, talking to, to young, young and old, I mean, when you're a kid, you get the advice, okay, you know, find, you know what are you going to do when you grow up? Find something that you're going to love. Find enjoyment in your occupation. And that's, that's just Genesis 2 and 3. Like God created the man to work in the garden. Like to, part, of their, part of life is enjoying the things that you do. Ecclesiastes, same sort of thing. He says that one of the great gifts of God is to find enjoyment in your work. Now people are going to tell you do something that makes you happy. And you're like, look, I've, I've got the Bible. I already knew that. Or um, people are going to tell you, you know, make meaningful habits. You know, you know rise early and do, do that kind of thing. And yet God tells us back in Deuteronomy... He says, speaking of God's word, these are the words I command you today. They shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Bind them as signs on your hand. They'll be as frontlets between your eyes. Look, I already knew I needed to make meaningful habits because God told me that I should take his word and make it a part of my everyday life. I already knew that. It was already here. They're going to tell you, make good friends. And you're going to say, look, I already knew bad company corrupts good morals. I already knew from Proverbs that uh, some people are just going to be friends with me because I have money or I have whatever they want. And when I don't have it anymore, they're not going to be my friends. The Bible warns you about fake friends. Listen, any wisdom that is worth knowing is, is here in the Bible. It's going to prepare you for life. But it's not just giving you wisdom. Okay, It equips you in other ways as well. Sometimes we need things. For example... Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to take up the full armor of God. 
We got faith. We got gospel. We got righteousness. We got to put that on because, listen, there's real danger happening out there. The devil is prowling around. All of his forces are aligned against us, and we need the equipment to fight against that. And, And we get that from the Bible. We need the equipping to be able to do the things God wants us to do. And if you were to read, for example, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it would tell you that this Bible, these words of God, are given to us for instruction, training in righteousness, reproof, rebuke, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. We have everything we need. And if you're not reading this book, you're missing out. You're not having the equipment that you need. But if you are, I mean, the whole world wants to know the information that is here for free, right in this book, to equip you for life. But again, I mean, people aren't dying to have a great self-help book. I mean, this is pretty great. But what's truly astonishing about the Bible, what's truly amazing, what's truly unique about the Bible, is that the Bible gives us something solid to hold on to. It gives us the answers that nothing else truly can. It grounds us in our eternal God. Let me explain this to you. So if you want to ask, for example, uh, an evolutionist, uh, so we're not a theistic evolutionist, but like a, just a straight-up uh, atheist evolutionist, they will, you will say, okay, what's the point of life? And they'll say, you know, you just like create meaning, right? And you're like, okay, but why? Like, what? There's, there's nothing solid. It's turtles all the way down. You keep trying to ask them, and they don't know because they don't have anything solid to base their life on. You've got to be a good person, but what is good? Like, none of these things make sense. Nothing is solid unless you have an eternal God. In which case, if you ask a Christian, a reader of the Bible, what's the point of life? They can tell you. It's about loving your brother. It's about learning to fear your creator in the days of your youth. It's about pursuing God. It's about walking according to the calling, walking according to the spirit. We know these things because God tells us because we understand that our whole life is oriented based on our belief that Jesus is Lord, God is our father, and that that transforms the way we have to live. And we know that because the Bible tells us. Or... You might ask, all right, so I I understand maybe the Bible could give me a a, a purpose, but can it give me uh, like a sense of belonging? Okay, so for example, let me ask you, what's, how how do you know that you are loved? How do you know that you're useful? Again, without the, without an eternal God, to, to base that in you, you have to base it off of something like productivity. I mean, we live in a capitalist society, so the more money you make, the more useful you are. Or maybe you're in school, the better grades you make, or you're on a football team, the better, you know, the more uh, yards you, you do, the, the more useful you are. Like, we, we have to find something to base it off of. But listen, God tells us we come to him with, with nothing in our hands. Listen, he gave us everything And it is by his grace. And he tells us that we don't have to earn his love. We don't have to, like, it just gives it to us. It says in Romans chapter 8, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, 
for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is the conditionless grace and love and, and worthness that you can't get anywhere else. The world bases your worth on the things that you can do, the things that you can bring, and you are never going to fully be satisfied because there's always going to be someone that's better than you when we're measuring things by the world's standards. But when we're looking to God, he loves us unconditionally. And no height, no depth, no anything can separate us from the love of God. That's astonishing because it's not like anything else in this whole world. And the Bible I mean, the, the whole thing is like this, okay? We've got this, there's a very specific genre in the Bible, for example, uh, and it's called apocalypse. And the idea, you know, we think Revelation, this apocalypse, uh, certain parts of Daniel. And the idea is that you bring people out of the, the certain, this realm of this world in order to give them a view of eternity. And in, in truth, the whole Bible is like that in different ways. That we live in this life where we get so caught up in the here and now the day-to-day, the things that we can see, the things that we can touch, the things that uh, we can prove with our empirical senses. And yet, there is so much that doesn't fit into that realm. There is so much meaning, so much purpose that is captured when we recognize that this world is not all there is. This age is not all there is. This, the, the purpose, the things of this life are so temporary. But when we ground our life in our eternal God, it gives us something firm to hold on to. It gives us meaning. It gives us direction. It shows us what love means. I mean, how else are you going to know what love is? You're not going to learn those from the Hallmark movies. You're not going to learn those from seeing people at school. You're going to learn love by seeing Jesus who died for our sins. That's what love is. And when you want to know, what do I do when life is difficult? I mean, if, you're, if you don't have God, then where, where do you go? You just say, ah, I guess I better suck it up and keep going. But with God, he says, cast your anxieties on me. We have something eternal. Or what do you do when something good is happening? I was astonished to learn. I was listening to a TED Talk recently that even people who are atheists pray. Many of them do. Not to anyone in particular, but they feel like Thanksgiving is an important part of their life. And I think, I mean... Yeah, God created us to be thankful people. God created us to look to something bigger than us and to recognize that we are not in control of the good or all of the bad that comes to us, that sometimes good things happen to us and we need to be thankful to other people. And who do you go to ultimately for that? We go to our eternal God because that's what the Bible tells us we can do. This Bible will transport you from an earthly perspective, from seeing things through earthly eyes to help you see the world the way God intends you to see it. Okay, so then what do we do? How, how, how do we read the Bible? What, we just, you just read it, guys. Um, it's January 2nd, all right? So this is the beginning of the new year. And 
I want to say, if you have never read the Bible through in a year, this, this is your year. This is 2022. The new opportunity, you're, we're already a, a day in, but you can make up a day. I'm, con- I'm confident. Because this Bible will transform your life. It is amazing. Okay, listen. Remember what we talked about at the beginning. The words of God created the world, and we've got the words of God right here. World creating stuff. People are dying to get their hands on this word and to get the word into the hands of other people. It's fascinating. I mean, like, such interesting stories, such drama, such excitement. It's all contained in here. Wisdom. Equipping for life. How are you going to do life without it? You're not. You are not going to succeed. But if you have this, it will tell you how you ought to live, what to do, how to get to heaven, what's the point of anything. It grounds you in eternity. This book is amazing. And so, as I said, I'm making a challenge to all of you. And as I said, you high school students, you middle school students, you're going to think I'm not talking to you, but I am. Listen, the Bible, it seems long. It's really, it's really not that long. It's 365 days in a year. If you were to read like 15 minutes a day, you read the whole thing. I'm confident. That's not that long. This book will transform your life. This book has everything you need. This book is containing the words that created this world. And you got to get this in your life, okay? It's amazing. And as you read it, you will come closer to God. You will understand. You will have wisdom beyond your age. And you can read and be amazed at the power of God, at the wisdom of God, of the way that he works all things out to accomplish his will, of the way he works seemingly random things all in to culminate in him accomplishing his purposes because our God is amazing and his word is amazing. And so, as I said, this year, I want you guys to make a plan to read this Bible. And listen, this isn't just about me. You're not doing this just because Brent said so. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be gone here in about six months. That's when my internship ends. And some of you guys will be sad, and some of you guys will be like, whoa, he's gone. But anyway, it's, this isn't about me, all right? The Bible, it will transform your life, all right? And it gives you all the things you need, all the things we've talked about here. But additionally, it's about us. It's about a family. Listen, there are going to be times, there's going to definitely be a time in your life where you've got a friend that's, uh, I don't know, going through a breakup or they lose their job, and you're going to say, man, I really wish I knew the passage for that. Unless you're steeped in the word, in which case you'll know. And when your friend is sad and they're losing hope and they're really frustrated and they need security, and you just turn right to Psalm 46 and you're like, man, when this happens to me, I love this verse. And then you're going to start reading to them and they're going to be like, wow, dude, did you know this book is amazing? And you say, yeah, I already knew, Brent told me. And there are going to be times where you're going to need that stability. You're going to need that strength. You're going to need that direction. And so read this book and get together with your friends. Look, there are tons of reading plans out there. Find one that you like and then find your friend and say, hey, friend, read this with me. And then you guys can chat about it. You can say, listen, dude, I was just reading this story. And you remember how Brent said that these stories are awesome? Well, I love this part of the story. This is great. Or maybe even more importantly, you're going to say, man, I just read that story about where Abraham lied because he was afraid. And, you know, sometimes I lie because I'm afraid. And I really would like your prayers for that. And you're going to be able to chat. You're going to be able to communicate. You're going to be able to build each other up like we talked about in the first hour. This book will change your life. 
So please, please, please read it. As we, uh, as we bring this to a close, I want to tell you, not only will this book change your life, but the author, our God, he will transform your life. And he offers this as a way of invitation. And this is the invitation I will offer as well. Jesus says in Matthew 11, starting in verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If any of you have a need, please come forward as we stand and sing.